Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everybody, welcome to Revolution. I'm glad you're here and wherever you are online listening. Always glad to have you. Um, We are on our third week of Galatians, and uh, I've decided that instead of trying to guess when I do Galatians, that we'll just do it every beginning of every new year. So that's why I won't do Galatians five times (laughs) in one year. Someone told me, like, John Piper spent, like, 10 years on Romans. Somebody said I was the John Piper of Galatians. I'm not usually compared to John Piper. Is it John? Yeah. His church is, is this church downtown? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Well, this, this, uh, Got a, well, by the time this airs, people will know who won, if the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl or not, but tonight's the big night to find out, them and the Jaguars. Is it the Jaguars they're playing? Eagles. Oh, the Eagles, sorry. The yes, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know much about football, so I get them all confused, but we had a miracle last week of a miracle touchdown, and that was pretty exciting to watch, even for the non-football fan. Um, So Galatians is my favorite book, and it's probably the earliest book, or one of the earliest books in the New Testament. And uh, it's a letter from Paul to the Gauls, and... It's a rebuke, and this was this one, this one, this three makes it very clear. It starts out with, "You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly ex- exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this: Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish, having started with the Spirit? Are you now?" Ending with the flesh, do you experience so so much for nothing? If it is re- really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law, or by you believing in what you heard? So Paul is on fire here. He's upset because people are going back to the law. Um, because the Judaizers, who were a group of people coming in saying, you know, you've got to first become circumcised and, and become under the Jewish law, and then you can become a Christian. And Paul's saying, no, that's not what it is. And, uh, and he's calling them fools. And I feel like this is, is, is really good for 
Christianity in general because I feel like a lot of Christians fall into this trap of even understanding grace, realizing it's a free gift at the beginning, and then all of a sudden getting caught up into, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, you know, or I'm not really a Christian. You know, I've got to do these works. And there's nothing wrong with works, but it's knowing that these aren't what keeps you in heaven or is what, what saves you, you know. There's nothing wrong with loving your neighbor. I mean, loving your neighbor is tough work. But it's, he's, Paul's making it clear that it's not that what saved you. It was your faith. It was the free gift. It was what you received. And uh, it, it, I see it like someone giving you a car and saying, you know, here's the keys to a car, and uh, hope you enjoy it. And by the way, you know, just every month there's going to be a bill that comes to your house, and you have to pay for it. You know, it's like, well, I thought this was a free gift. You know, no, but you have to pay for it. And it's this kind of bait and switch that we all get caught up in, and it happens a lot in the church. And there's a lot of guilt that goes along with it. I mean, I remember thinking that growing up, in the assemblies of God, you, we were Arminians, so you could lose your faith. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember thinking if you cussed or you had a bad thought or anything like this, you were all of a sudden done, you know. And that's a, what he's confronting here. He's confronting that type of thought of that works that need to be approved and uh, a thing that's so regular and so rampant in the church today. Goes on to say, just as Abraham believed in God and it was reckoned to him <clears throat> that righteousness, so you see those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith declared that the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all of the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Now, Abraham seen as the father of faith because he saw a vision and he saw stars and the stars, and he said, you have many descendants of the stars. Um, Abraham seen as the father of really three faiths. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all things written in the book of the law. So there's no way to be right by the law, not Judaism or not the new law or the laws that we create or legalism, because legalism is a very real thing and a real problem in the church. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. You know, the one word that the law doesn't know is enough. You know, one word legalism doesn't know is enough. For us, we're not going back to circumcision and things like that, but we're, we do sometimes go back to legalism, judgmental, being judgmental, deciding who's in and who's out. And it's, you know, funny because if you're on the liberal side, you look at the conservative side and decide who's out. And if you're on the conservative side, you look at the liberal side and you go, oh, they're out. And everybody's got an opinion on who's in and who's out. And that is not <clears throat> what our faith is about. 
We're not called to decide who's in and who's out. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise and the Spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I give an example from daily life. Once a person will ha- has been ratified, no one adds to it. Okay, once a person's will, once this person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promise were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings as many, but it says into you offsprings, offspring. This is one person who is Christ. Now, this is interesting because this is, uh, in Judaism, a lot of rabbis are, would argue on one word for the theology. You know, for the, to make a point, they pick one word and sit and argue about the one word. And this offspring is actually seeds. And he's saying it said seed, not seeds. And who was that seed? And he's arguing that that seed was Christ, or that offspring was Christ that was being talked about. Not many people, but one. My point is this. The law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previous ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance comes from the law, it no longer comes from the promise, but God's granted it to Abraham through the promise. And I've always found that interesting is that the law which came 430 years later. You know, grace came first. And, you know, grace always seems like, oh, it's a new thing. Thank goodness for Jesus. We have grace. But it's saying, no, grace was here all along. Grace has always been a part of our life. Unmerited favor, you know. Unconditional love has always been a part of this faith. And you see that in the Old Testament as it builds. And there you see, start to see a little bit more grace and a little bit more love, and then you see it kind of reach a plateau or point in New Testament. And I feel like grace continues to grow even after the Bible was closed and the canon was made, that our understanding of loving others is, is continuous, something that evolves time and time again. Why then was the law added? Because of transgression. Now this is a, this verse here is wrestled, I wrestle with, and it's, uh, it's a tough one to understand, for at least for me. When the, when the law, okay, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through angels by a mediator. Now, a mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. In the law, they opposed to the promise of God. Certainly, is the law then opposed to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could make alive, then righteousness would indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin, so that what promised through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, this kind of understands, explains what it was a little bit more. 
Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Now that's a very inclusive verse right there. You know, that's, I always think it's important for us to pay attention to the inclusiveness of the Bible and when it, you know, and realizing that it's something that it continuously evolves into more inclusiveness. But for Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. And baptism was a very important thing uh, at this time. I mean, it's people still seem to hold it to be important, but it was very important because even in Judaism, if you're baptized and you had to be baptized with three people who's standing there to witness it, and I had to have a certain amount of water, and you had to have your whole body covered. Um, but that was your your unity with God. But in Christian faith, that too, you were actually made one, you know, you became united with Christ through submerging, being submerged. Um, or you can be sprinkled nowadays. Um, I don't think it matters if you're sprinkled or dunked or whatever. But anyway, but that was the idea of being clothed yourself with Christ. Now here comes this verse that I really like, and we're going to, today was a quick one. We're going to end on this one. I thought we were going to go forever because this is such a long chapter, but I guess not. It's always nice. But you've been baptized with Christ and clothed with yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, what's interesting about this part is where it says there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. Some translations also say uh, I think it's, what is it, barbarian? Not barbarian, um, Viking? No. <laughs> what is it? No, I, gosh, I can't remember the word. But that's neither here nor there. But there's no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male and female. So here you have another inclusive thing through Christ, that Christ is inclusive. But what's interesting is, and Paul would have known this, is as a Pharisee, there was a prayer that would be prayed that would say, thank God I am not a woman. Thank God I am not a slave. Thank God I'm not a Gentile. And this would be this prayer that was prayed. And uh, under uh, the old law and through the Pharisees would have known it and probably prayed it in, in the morning. And Paul is taking this prayer, taking this idea and this thought and turning it on its head and saying, there's no longer separation. There's no longer... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
there's no longer um, okay well I'm losing words today so forgive me and I slept in as well no longer hierarchy there's no more hierarchy in faith there's no hierarchy there there's no longer this separation and um, for me this is why I have a problem with some of the pastoral epistles this is why I have a hard time with certain traditions that treat women less than. I have a real problem with that when they say, oh, well, you know, women can't be leaders or women can't do this or, you know, women have a certain role and men have a certain role, and, you know. And especially when it's churches doing this, when the Bible here, the verse makes it very clear that there's, that these are not things that are, are distinctive. Not male roles, not female roles that we're all one in Christ. The uh, hierarchy and the lines have been torn down, and we're all one. So it's interesting to see that. It's interesting to, for Paul to push that and take that prayer that would have been known and, and saying, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, this is a great thing. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So that's where we end. Um, Because it's in chapters were added later, it ends kind of blunt, bluntly because there's a little bit more to go. But because we're in a study, we'll go there next week. But let's, uh, I just want to, since we have a little bit of time, just re-look over some of this. Um, points here is not being bewitched by the law, realizing that falling back into the law makes us foolish. Um, Grace makes us children of Abraham. We've been reckoned righteousness, so they believe in descendants of Abraham. Um, and remembering that the law is came 430 years later, does not annul the covenant. So <clears throat> the law is an old law. Grace is, law is, not as old as grace, and the law is not as old as faith. All these things are important, and so I think those are highlights to look at, is the law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previous rattle. So the covenant of grace, the covenant of faith, is the original covenant. Um, and holding on to that, there's no longer Jew or Greek, or there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male or female. Those are things I think we should hold close to and hold tight to especially with the way people are being treated today. So, with that said, we got through it. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for tearing down the walls and... Uh, allowing us all to be one, to be equal through you. And uh, may we show that and share that with others, and may we treat others that way as well. Um, may we love our enemies in that way. Just ask that uh, your favor be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're listening online, um, we're a nonprofit. And we survive through your donations.
So if you consider this your church, <laughs> if you consider this your church, please feel free to make donations and uh, help us out. But well, as always, we'd rather have you than your money. And uh, thank you very much.